Welcome back to the one and only Minorities Report Film Podcast. This is your deep dive into all things movies and entertainment through a colorful perspective. Your favorite minorities are here. We are reporting for duty. My name is Raul, and here with me, I got my boy, Mr. Moshama. Hello, everyone. Hi, Raul. What's up? On today's episode, we will be discussing the latest industry news, including the newest box office numbers. And after that, we're going to be reviewing a couple things. We're going to be reviewing Servant Season 2, Tom and Jerry, because Shama got to that. I did not. And one of the strongest South by Southwest film, uh, films from this year, Women is Losers. Women is Losers. But before we get into that, Shama, what's up? What you been up to? Check in with us. I know you went to Houston. Tell us what's, what's, how'd that go? (laughs) Yeah, spring break started in Texas early this year, like earlier than than what I'm uh, used to in North Carolina. And my kids live in Houston now. So their spring break was last week. I uh, went there. I spent like four days with them. We went to San Antonio, went to SeaWorld. We ate lots and lots of great food uh, and diners and uh, local nice. restaurants there, like a great brisket. <laughs> that's a funny That's a funny thing to say. We ate lots of great food at diners. <laughs> no, I mean like diners and like restaurants, like local ones. I, I, I have to call like a local like shack, a very small place. They call it a, a, a spot? Uh a hole in the wall? I don't know. People call, people call them different things. I don't know, but like they are really good. Like the local ones, they have lines. People are waiting in lines. Oh, so like, is that, was it like a barbecue spot? Yeah, barbecue spots. Like and like brisket. Oh, yeah, like yeah, and yeah. Beef, I've I'm never had like go, turkey sorry, I'm dying to go down to at Austin. They, they, I want to go to Franklin Barbecue, which I know the way. Like yes, I really want to go to Austin for that. But like we, we really, we really had fun. And my kids, like I didn't know that like they would enjoy like brisket and. Um, beef like sandwiches and turkey and like it was so much fun sea world like was smoked turkey huh smoked turkey yeah smoked turkey it was like wow oh, smoked smoked turkey so good <laughs> it, it was wow so fresh and like that like yeah it, it was really good like that thick piece of uh, of turkey breast like that uh, that smoked and oh yeah the sandwich and the seasoning and everything was great sea world as an experience was a little bit like overwhelming because it was bad it was the third day of spring break so it was busy, it was crowded. Uh, they were doing good, like in spacing and social distances and everything, but it was too much. And it was the hottest day that we, we were there. But so far, like we, we had so much fun together. We were reading books, watching TV. We went and watched um, Ryan the Last Dragon in Dolby. And uh, it was so emotional on the big screen, of course. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I really, really enjoyed the time with them. Nice, nice, nice. You know, as far like I'm excited to go to, to Texas. I'm planning a trip sometime, hopefully in this year, um, once we get vaccinated and all that good stuff. But um, I want to go check out barbecue spots. But like the thing with me and barbecue is like we have a very tenuous relationship. Like I'm poor, uh, U.S. barbecue relies so heavily on the flavor of the smoke, and to me, it it can be a little overwhelming to the point where like after like. 10 bites of whatever I'm eating, like I'm tired of eating it. Like I want something else. And the thing with barbecue spots notoriously is that their sides are not good, right? They'll give you like a piece of Wonder Bread. And, and mac some, and cheese or green beans. Uh, or- and sometimes they don't even have that. Sometimes all they have is like beans. Like it's like beans but we got and like bread. bread cornbread there like that like was phenomenal. Yeah. See, if they had cornbread, I'm happy. Yeah, if they have yeah. cornbread. I like good cornbread, but I like good sides. I need good sides with barbecue for me to enjoy barbecue. If it's mainly meat and like bread and and beans, then I'm just like not pleased. Um, but now I'm excited to go check it out. I got a, a homie that um that has a place down in San Antonio, and so we are uh, hoping we can go at some point. Yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sure I will enjoy lots of good places there. I'm glad you guys got to do that. We didn't really go very far, but. We did do a styled shoot on a sailboat, um, a, a photo shoot on a sailboat, um, and it was awesome. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was terrifying because we went out sailing for a portion of it. We probably went out for like an hour and a half, 
and I used the drone and you know, it's, it's crazy because when you go to take off the drone, you know, I put it on this flat surface and we weren't barely moving. And so I didn't put into consideration that we're moving. So when I told the drone to, to take off, it went up like it goes up like a foot off the ground. And, and immediately by the time I looked at it, it was behind the boat and it, it went through these like wires that are holding the sails. Right. And so it was like terrifying because it almost ran into the wires. And, <laughs> and so I freaked out, but it was fine. And then I flew it for a while. I got these awesome shots around the sailboat and all. I saw some stuff. pictures on Instagram. They were amazing, but I didn't see the ones with drones yet. Like that. Like oh, these crazy, they're, coming. Great ones. Uh, they're coming. And, but the funny thing is that, at, of course, as it is our luck, as we're flying the drone, we get to like a really windy part. So it's really choppy. The boat is like bouncing and we're going fast. I think I think he said we we're going like 20 knots at one point. I don't know what that translates to, but we're going fast. <laughs> and um, we have to figure out how to land this drone. Oh, yeah. While well, you're doing going fast and Land- got done landing it on the boat is not an option. Oh. So what did we have to do? Desiree had to catch it. <laughs> wow. And mind you, I have owned I've I've owned a drone for less than a week at this point. And it's the only time I've ever flown a drone. It's the only time I've ever been around a drone. So I am like trying to maneuver. In retrospect, I should have told Desiree to stand on the back of the boat and I'll fly it straight to her. But no 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 no. At the time <laughs> I'm like, great, stand on the side of the boat, and I'm going to fly it oh towards you. Did <laughs> she catch it? Like, did you? Oh, it was a couple times that she missed, and again, it had to go through where the sail is swinging, so it was like just underneath the sail. I'm glad that like, you guys didn't cut anything. Like, it, it, no, no, no. The, the drone would have just ended in the water. So at one point, I was like, she was like, I just have to catch it. So I literally just flew it straight at her, and she just reached up and grabbed it from underneath. <laughs> And she said she another adventure, out. other than filming and the photo shoot, oh like the adventure was, of landing the drone. It was something else. I wish she was here. She was busy today. She's working. Um, but I wish she was here to talk about it. I'm sure she'll talk about it next time. But it was insane. But she, hey, she grabbed it. Then I, I was able to tell the drone to land to stop the propellers, and we put it away. And the waters were still choppy, so it was pretty scary. But uh, but now we had a great time. The photos are incredible. Um, you guys want to check them out? at Ezra Photo on Instagram. That's E-Z-E-R photo. Um, yeah, the photos are gorgeous. And uh, yeah, now we're in the process of getting on published. So, um, but apart from that, I got some awesome soap, Dr. Squatch. Um, I get excited about soap and I got some incredible soap. Shama, you need to get some Dr. Squatch soap. Hey, we're not sponsored by that. How much did they pay you, Raul? <laughs> we're not. I saw you smiling. Okay. I saw you smirking. <laughs> We're not sponsored, guys. Um, I just I'm a big fan of great soap. And it's good soap. Yeah. And uh and good deodorant. And you so, know, I love hygienic hygienic products and cosmetic products exactly. and cologne and nice cologne. Exactly. Soap I don't know I don't know anybody that spends as much time in the shower as I do than you. So well, any guy, right? <laughs> um so uh, I, you know it's like a whole podcast, like literally like I can listen to the entire podcast from like uh, our fellow colleagues like and I do. And, yep, uh, and I, I do. <laughs> yep, I do that regularly. Um, but yeah, Doctor Squatch, nah, dope soap, really, really good. Um, and then lastly, this week I covered South by Southwest solo this time because you were busy. Um, it's going to be more coming on South by Southwest. Like I said earlier, we're going to be covering. I'm going to be covering one of the films um, that I saw there. Uh, but a lot of really good films. It's funny because people kept asking me the first couple of days, how's Southwest, Southwest going? And I said, you know what? I haven't seen a bad movie yet. And that was the truth. The first couple of days, I did not watch a single film that I thought I, did, that I didn't enjoy in some degree. It wasn't until Isn't the third that, or like, I just day. remembered one of the festivals that like we really did not enjoy some of the films at the beginning. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. But I'm but, glad uh, that like, you enjoyed South by Southwest. Um, honestly, I'm sorry that I, I missed it. I think there's only one or two films in this one that I, I think there was one documentary and one narrative that I didn't enjoy. But apart from that, I enjoyed everything else. And I think I watched 18 films. So good, good, good. And I was, it was, it was solid. It was a solid time. Um, and again, like I said, there's going to be more on that 
coming, so keep an eye out. Um, but yeah, now we're going to get into it. But before we do, make sure you give the show a follow at mreportpod. That's Twitter. That's on Instagram. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, too. That's Minority Report Film. And then the site, of course, mreportpod.com. And I usually do this at the end, but hey, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. It helps people find us, helps us climb the charts, and helps us know what you're enjoying. So take 10 seconds. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Leave us a review, Apple Podcasts. First up on the report, the box office. The weekend of March 19th is still strong, holding up good numbers and good amount of revenue for the studios. Ryan the Last Dragon is still in the first rank for its third week at 5.2 million for the past three days, 23.4 million total for the three weeks. In the second spot, Tom and Jerry still strong. It did 3.8 million in the three-day weekend, total of 33.6 in its week four. It's it's $10 million more than Raya for one yeah, week difference. Yeah. But it was huge. great time for them to start playing Tom and Jerry. And the meanwhile, like I'm putting that in mind that Tom and Jerry is available on HBO Max for free. Oh, right, right. While right, right. while Ryan the Last Dragon is available on Disney Plus for $30. So this is but like we don't, people, we don't we don't know the numbers that Raya is pulling into exactly. But like to put this in mind that like families are going out for and put a difference of ten sure, million dollars sure, sure. for Tom and Jerry, which is a movie that like I will talk about it later today. Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> ooh. Hint hint. In the third spot, and it's in, in its first week, The Courier, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, it did two million dollars in its first week, and apparently lots of people loved it. In the fourth spot. Chaos Walking, the Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley's movie, did 1.9 million in three days to reach a total of shy of $10 million. Like it's at 9.69. Nice. In the fifth spot, The Crude, still holding up in its 17th week. It did over half a million for the weekend, a total of 55.2 million in 17 weeks. Good job, Crude. In the sixth rank, we said we have Boogie did six hundred thousand and a total of three point two million. Marksman, the Liam Neeson movie, in the seventh spot. Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, in the eighth spot. In thirteen weeks, it's at forty five point five million dollars. The Little Things in the ninth spot. The Father, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman's movie, total in a month now of barely doing a one million. But um, I, I'm I'm excited that like Minari is in the number eleventh while it was only playing in in few less than twenty locations nationwide at the beginning. Past week it started like to spread through lots of Cinemark and AMC locations, and it did uh, one point four million dollars in its six week. That's it for the box office this week. Good job, Minari. Next up on the report, the news. Shama. Warner Media Studios CEO Anne Sarnoff, she was one of the people that I was concerned about uh, their medical health and the heart attacks like almost a year ago. Okay. She said that the release of the X-Niders Justice League will complete the director's superhero trilogy, reinforcing the studio's desire to move past the social media campaign to hand back control of the DC film universe to the filmmaker. Raul, does this mean that this is the end of his trilogy of Justice League or his entire involvement of the DC movies? Because it's I, different. Yeah, that is a huge difference. I mean, listen, I've been talking about this a lot all over the place. I'm hoping that it's the latter. But his very smart maneuver of this this Zack Snyder Justice League, the effing Snyder cut, it might get him to stay on. They even released the the black and white, or they announced that the black and white version of Justice League is getting released on HBO Max as well. So everything the fans ask for, everything he asks for is getting fulfilled. So... Even I know that like she's more excited of, of the new The Batman movie, The Suicide Squad. Um, but I'm scared. I'm scared that like they will get they will they will let him helm another trilogy or another reboot or like picking up uh, another characters and work uh, on their dark universe of, of, of the DC. 
but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping that that is not the case. Uh, let's not. Let's just hope that that is not the case. Um, let's just. Yes, you finish your trilogy. Good job. Um, bye bye, pajarito. You know, see you later. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, and we will have more thoughts on Justice League in our Justice League episode coming up. So, next up on the news. Deadline reporting that promising young woman filmmaker Emerald Fennell will write the DC feature Zatanna for Bad Robot and Warner Brothers. And there is no word yet on if she will direct. Like me, there may be many of you out there that are like, Zahu? Uh, and I feel you. I did. I had no idea who this person was, who the superhero was. Um, but Zatanna is both a stage magician and an actual magician, a magic practitioner. Um, she acquired genetically her pow- her father's powers, and they relate to magic. Um, she is apparently one of the most powerful sorceresses in the DC universe, um, from what I see. There has only been one live-action appearance of this character that was in Smallville. If you remember the show Smallville, Shama, that was in the early 2000s. Yeah, I remember. It, yeah. um, had 10 seasons. She was in that. The latter half, she had several uh, recurring uh, appearances. So, um, But apart from that, we have now we've seen her a little bit in the animated series and stuff. But um, but we very little is, is has been seen about from her apart from in the comics. Um, also, reading up on her powers, she is a, a, again a sorceress. She uses you know words to say spells. So one thing that I saw that I thought was interesting is that her enemies regularly subdue her and her powers by tying her up. And like covering her mouth, and that's it. She can't do nothing. Um, and I'm hoping that you know, knowing how creative and how brutal Emerald Fennell can be, knowing from promising young woman, she is not afraid to be bold and and push the envelope. I'm hoping that she gets more creative with how you know her enemies in the movie, you know, put her at bay or, or, or combat her. So um, I hope so. Um, um, I, I, of course, not. I love Emerald Fennell. I love Promising Young Woman. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I'm excited for that. As far as like uh, Zack Snyder is not executively producing the the film or having any kind of relationship with the film, it's Warner Brothers. It's HBO. I mean, like it's uh, Warner Brothers. It's uh, DC. So I get scared that he will be involved, even as an executive producer. Like we don't want him anywhere. And I, I'm sure, like, it would be great if, if Emerald Fennell, like, directed this film as well. So, I... Yeah, I hope, I, hope, I hope she does, yeah. Yeah. And from the DC universe to the Marvel universe, um, a show centered on Echo, a deaf Native American character who will be played by Alaqua Cox in the Hawkeye series that's coming this summer, is in the early stages of development for Disney Plus as well. Variety exclusively said that Ethan Cohen and Emily Cohen are attached to write and executive produce the show, with the writer's room recently being assembled, like the Avengers. Assembled. Yes, Marvel Studios will definitely produce for a Disney Plus show. And that's exciting. That's really exciting to have like a Native American uh, character, deaf, and we, 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 we already see her soon in Hawkeye series. So I'm, 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 I, I like that. I really like Do you it. think the success of the Sundance film Coda that Apple picked up, right? Apple picked it up. Um, you think, you know, the deaf community being like, yes, representation, or they were just like, oh, oh yes. we have the superhero. We're sitting I, on the superhero that's deaf and Native American, which is another thing that everybody I wants hope so. Like of. sound, we, we, uh, seeing Sound of Metal and then seeing right, Coda right, right. and like having like this deaf community and having deaf characters portraying roles and, and having involvement. Um, I'm not sure like who's playing that character. I'm not sure if she's deaf or not, like uh, Alaqua Cox. But uh, this this would be great. Like this is a great thing that, that, that that's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Koda. I love Koda. I cannot wait for the Oscar season to be over so we can start campaigning for Koda for for Oscars 2022. <laughs> uh, next up on the news, Neil Druckmann, who is the uh, one of the creators and directors of The Last of Us, the games, the video game series, um, confirmed through a South by Southwest panel. Um, or I guess it was, it, it, it was, anyway, 
during South by Southwest at a panel, he um, confirmed that the show is, is going, is, he's very excited at how much dialogue from the game it's going to use. Um, but he also confirmed that the show and many of its episodes is going to greatly deviate from the games. Um, he said, uh, this is a direct quote, things sometimes stay pretty close. It's funny to see my dialogue there from the games and HBO scripts, and sometimes they deviate greatly to much better effect because we are dealing with a different medium. He also added, HBO's been great in pushing us to move away from hardcore action and focus more on the drama of the characters. Some of my favorite episodes so far have deviated greatly from the story, and I can't wait for people to see them. Um, this is super exciting for me. You know I'm a huge fan of The Last of Us, but I'm also a huge fan of Craig Mason, who did Chernobyl, and he's writing this series and co-creating it with Neil Druckmann, um, and I have a lot of faith and what he's able to accomplish. And honestly, it doesn't surprise me that the show's going to deviate from the game because a lot of the game is traveling. Um, and so they ha- they're they going to have to find a way to deviate from it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that it's good. And, and this actually makes me really excited. And the fact that he's excited makes me excited because uh, this has such potential to be absolutely incredible. So, um, Shama, any, any thoughts on this? Oh, I've never played the game, but uh, I've seen you playing it, and it's it's so good. Like it's tempting, like to to be included in it. I'm, I cannot wait for this. And as you said, like it's it's all relying on traveling. So if they will pick like certain incident and start with it, or like go a couple of episodes through one of the of the stories that happening to them, or one of the adventures that they are experiencing, and I love that like they are stressing more on the drama of the characters and building yeah. up because at the end it's a show yeah. that like. We need yeah. people to connect and engage. When you're playing a video game, your engagement and connection is like you're moving the characters and you're controlling. But here you're not in control, you're a recipient. So being a recipient, you need to um, to be engaged in a way or another. And I'm, I I love Craig Mason. Like, uh, get, um, Chernobyl was great. Like So I, I, I'm so excited for this. And the, the casting is good. So that's great for the last I agree. Us. I agree on the drama. It's good to hear that they're going to, you know, you know, not focus so much on the hardcore and the gore and all that stuff and the zombies and, and they're going to focus on the drama because at the end of the day, this is a drama. Um, it's very emotional, has a whole lot of heart to it apart from it being a zombie film or a zombie game. Sorry. Um, but yeah, that's it for that. Another thing, Shama, that, that, uh, I just, I'm dropping on you is, um, at South by Southwest, I watched the panel with David Diggs, Rafael Casal, Jasmine Cephas Jones, and the choreographers of, you know, I know you know that they're making the blind spotting series. Oh, yeah, I cannot wait. It's like almost I know. Less, less than two months, May 9th, the show started. I know. So. And they talked about it, and it's oh. so exciting. I did not, because I, I haven't looked into it too much. I didn't realize that the show was following Jasmine Cephas Jones' character. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't know that, like, recently when I read the news, like, wow. That's it's, a- it's super exciting, and they showed us some of the stuff that they're working on. And um, it's this is it's got me so excited. Blind spotting for me, best film of 2018. Uh, one of my favorite films of all time. If you have not seen Blind Spotting, people, you have to watch it. It is phenomenal. Yeah, um, it is. It's and oh, and I'm so excited for the show. It it it's going to be so different. It feels like from the movie, but I'm hoping that it's still equally phenomenal um and i'm really really looking forward to it will be one of the reasons to subscribe to stars just like to watch I know. that you know like uh, as if we don't already have enough subscriptions yeah when they picked stars i said oh my god another I know. Uh, add-on oh like that's it's a lot now yeah. like <laughs> i gotta have it added to our hulu or something yeah, yeah um also next up on the news we got a bit of casting news seth rogan has been cast to play steven spielberg's favorite uncle in the director's self-inspired childhood drama. So Spielberg has decided that he will be writing a film inspired by his childhood drama. Um, this has been news in the last couple of weeks, and he's going to direct it. Kind of, kind of interesting, but <laughs> we just dropped. Is this Seth Rogen is going to be playing his favorite uncle? Um, Shama, can you see them, Seth Rogen and uh, Steven Spielberg related? 
I can see them working together, but like I, to see them related, um, I, if he saw him that way the, to play his favorite uncle, probably he saw something that we didn't see. And um, it's Seth Rogen. He's talented. So when he's yes. working with, with Spielberg, maybe we'll see something like Oscar worthy. I don't know. Like, but I have, I have faith. Like it's, it's interesting news. Like it's exciting. Like it makes me, Oh, Okay, that's that's good. So you don't think it's a, it has anything to do with Steven Spielberg uncle being a pothead? <laughs> oh, maybe but like it's his favorite. So he's like he's like I had this uncle that was awesome, and I think he was awesome because he was always smoking weed. And you know what, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen would be perfect for this. He's brilliant. He can he's free to do whatever he wants as as far as it's in a legalized state. You know. So. Oh my gosh. Uh, also casting news, Helen Mirren has closed the deal to play the villain Hespera, a daughter of Atlas in New Line and DC Films Shazam Fury of the Gods, which is the Shazam sequel. Um, you know, Shazam was the box office hit. Um, one of the best DC, one of the only good DC movies, if I can say it that one way. Of good, one of the only good, one of the only good ones. Yeah, uh, Zachary Shazam and, Wonder, and the first Wonder Woman. I think that's it. That's it. The, the, that's, it. that's really it. And uh, uh, well, if we if we consider like Joker, because it's part of like New Line and D, but it's, it's not. It's not part of that DC universe. It's not, it's, but it's, it's I mean, like it's the same studio, the same company, but it's not. Part I guess of so. Um, Zachary Levi is still set to reprise his role as Shazam with uh, Rachel Ziegler also on board, uh, joining the cast. Um, I. Listen, I love Helen Mirren. Um, extremely talented. And I'm down to see her as a role. I almost picture it's crazy because the name and like the idea of like this awesome woman just makes me, you know, f- get all the feels of um Kate Blanchett in Exactly. Thor exactly. You know? When I heard this, I said, mm, that's like Kate Blanchett in like Thor Ragnarok. So like I'm I'm excited. I'm on board. Like I like I like that. I like this idea. And I love Helen Mirren. Like she is a like stellar performer, like she is amazing. Uh, I'm happy to see her here with Shazam because uh, I, I join you. I love this movie. I love Shazam. Like the when it was released and it was unexpected. You know, like I didn't expect anything from the film. Then I was so happy with the. That's how we walk into all the DC movies. Oh my god! You don't expect anything from them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But actually, these, these are good news to to see these casting happening because. Um, it connects to what's happening in the industry now. Next up on the news, Regal just announced that they are opening most of their locations in Los Angeles and New York on April 2nd, and they will start with Godzilla vs. Kong. Like, the movie's opening on March 31st, it's opening on a Wednesday everywhere, but Regal suddenly decided to open early, especially that they just closed a deal with Warner Brothers that they will have exclusivity with them starting uh, 2022 with a 45-day window which nobody understands how this will happen. Will they have the movies only for Warner Brother, from Warner Brothers playing at Regal Theaters with, without like all the other chains? But this is happening in 2022. So let's focus on what's happening this year, because this year is the continuous of the unprecedented year of 2020. So Regal decided to expand opening all their locations by the release of Mortal Kombat, which is like April 16th. So some of their big locations next week and the week after they are expanding and more and more. This news dropped will take us to the next up on the news as well. Like Disney decided to push Black Widow to from May released to July 9th release. And they announced that the movie will be playing in theaters and available on Disney Plus as Premier Access. The same thing that they did last year with Mulan and this year with Raya and the Last Dragon. The movie will be $30 as well and will drop day and date in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. They also announced that Cruella, the, 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 the movie from Emma Stone, will be released on May 28th in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. So for some reason, I figured or understood or like I had this perception that the, we are going away from the premiere access and the extras and releasing them uh, on both. But apparently Disney found that movies are succeeding with what HBO Max is doing and what Warner Brothers is doing by releasing the movie on theater in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day. And probably they did lots of, of money 
from Ryan, The Last Dragon being released on Premier Access. As we said earlier in the box office, there's a $10 million gap between Tom and Jerry and Ryan, The Last Dragon, and only one week of release. But on the other side, they said like the, their newest Pixar movie, Luca, will debut exclusively on Disney Plus on June 18th, while it's originally had theatrical release. So what they made them change their minds, it's a beautiful movie from Pixar. Why would it be released only on Disney Plus? I can see this happened with Soul, which we will not mention again. But uh, Luca, I'm disappointed. I really wanted to see this movie on the big screen. A beautiful film, Pixar colors on the beaches of the Riviera. So the first, it's Italy sit exactly our film and, and the first wow. black was also on disney plus only exclusively yeah. so so we'll see so listen we're not gonna say that disney's doing some shady stuff but no 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 <laughs> it's like we don't understand the logistics of, of running these things like and you know because it would be released theatrically uh, internationally but this pushed the other movies from their their spots like the original date for black widow was in may and july was the, the release date for shang chi and the Legends of Ten Rings. Now Shang-Chi will be released on September 3rd. Why are we releasing Shang-Chi at the if their summer is over and people back to school? And like in a September release, it's it's yeah. it's strange. And they pushed Kingsman to December 22nd. Why the competition with all seven eight blockbusters opening on Christmas week with Kingsman? And then they pushed Deep Water to January 14th of 2022 and to release to uh, lead to Death on the Nile, the movie that was supposed to be released in October of 2019 and was pushed to February of 2020 and then pushed to July of 2020, then pushed to October of 2020, then pushed to February of 2021, then pushed to to April of 2021. Now it got another push to February 11th of 2022. I don't understand, especially Death on the Nile. Just release it on Hulu. Release it like uh, release it in theaters, like and, and somebody will watch. It, like, yes, like I I still don't understand like why if the movie's yeah. dead bad and Kenneth Branagh yeah. didn't do a good job in the sequel to to his um, um mystery on the Orient Express, uh, death on the Orient Express, murder on the Orient it's Express. Murder. I forgot. I said like three names. <laughs> it's okay. It, that's okay. Uh, hey, you know what? The movie was so bad. Who knows the name of that movie? No, right before you said it, I was like, was it Death on the Orient Express? And then I was like. No, I think it was with an M. And this was like, mystery, oh, murder. murder. Okay, murder. You know, like the third time. So, <laughs> so uh, I I really don't know. But like Disney, Disney knows uh, better, you know, like uh, than me, definitely. You know what? I have had very low expectations for Death on the Nile. And I feel like they're just like, it's just one of those. We just keep pushing it. <laughs> like, well, I've seen the no opening of the film two years ago. I don't even remember it. Like, I've seen the first, like, 15 minutes of the film two years ago. I really wanted to see it, you know, like, but it is what it is. They they know how to, it's, it's their business and they know how to run it. Yeah. So, hold on. So, so now Free Guy is on August 13th? Yes. Free Guy was pushed to this year to August 13th. Wow. What is, what is happening? Yeah, a movie that was supposed to be released March 2020. Originally, actually, no. It was it was supposed to come Christmas 2019, then March 2020, then June 2020, then August 2020. Then they pushed it to April this 2021, and then they said like it will be released in June with no date, and then now it's August. Just makes me feel that like Disney doesn't like any movie that came from Fox, like they inherited, like all these movies that they they inherited. Like, they don't want to release them. And I don't want to be like, you know, I will always give the benefit of doubt for Disney. So, they know better. Shady, shady. Also, another film that got a change in its schedule, the new Clint Eastwood movie, Cry Macho, the movie adaptation of Richard Nash's 1975 novel of the same name. The movie was supposed to be released in Christmas, on Christmas Day in theaters. Now, they pulled it back to play on October 22nd of 2021, on HBO Max and theaters. Interesting. You know, I don't, I, I'm not a Clint Eastwood film fan, but that actually makes sense because, I mean, we, we just said Kingsman got pushed to December 22nd and it's competing with all these other blockbusters. 
they're probably like, oh, Cry Macho is going to make no money if we leave it there. <laughs> like, who's going to pick Cry Macho over these other blockbusters? But this happened like two years ago when The Mule was released on that time. And um, uh, Richard Jewell, like, they, they release his movies always on Christmas Day. And then it, it does like minimal at the box office because it's mainly target of senior citizens and um, a movie, movie cinephiles, Oscar contender right. people. Like, they're looking right. for the films that will be Oscar contenders. And that's why, like October for for a Clint Eastwood movie is unusual. But what can we say? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's unusual uh, time. Oh, it's a new word of twenty twenty one. Unusual. Exactly. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to pick on this. Like I will not say unprecedented anymore. We'll just like say unusual. Unusual. Unprecedented. Is, it, that's so twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, unusual is twenty twenty one. Um, one thing that you dropped, maybe I didn't know. So maybe a lot of people out there didn't know. You dropped something about Regal. Sometimes an exclusive thing with somebody and i know that you don't know all the details i guess they're not out yet they did not reveal all the details yet but i think it's like it's in the process of having a press release or something today or tomorrow because they they mentioned that they will have exclusivity of 45 days of all warner brothers productions and they said it in a way that like means that all other theater chains will not get it which I doubt yeah, that AMC so, will go along with that, especially oh, with what happened when they announced it about HBO Max, and then they they found a deal to land on between Adam Aaron and the Warner Brothers. Wow. Okay. All right. And then lastly, talk about just a couple of the WGA winners. So first off, so WGA, Writers Guild of America, they had their awards and uh, Ted Lasso won two awards. Not one, not one, but two. Dose. Uh, they won Best Comedy or Best Comedy Series. And they won Best New Series, which is amazing. It and is it's amazing. so well-deserved. Yeah, yeah. Because Ted Lasso, I've said it a couple times. I'll say it again. It is one of the best shows of last year. It is definitely, for me, Probably and it's fresh and new. Yes, it feels Nothing so happened. new. And what they were able to do with this, and it's so emotional. And even though it's like this comedy, um, it has so much soul, so much heart to it, so much emotion. Um, and they, they do a phenomenal job. So it's super exciting for them. Another winner at the WGA is Emerald Fennell. As we said earlier, like this great writer that did uh, wrote and directed The Promising Young Woman, she won the Best Original Screenplay at the Writer Guilds of America. Congratulations, Emerald Fennell. Like, you deserve it. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the Oscars, for the Academy Night, to see her winning. I, like, I hope... It would be super exciting, because her film is not only great, but it's also a very bold script. And so when a film is, is good, and it's bold, you know, and they take these approaches that, like, many people would probably be afraid to take, um, I feel like we need to reward it. So I, I'm hoping. I think she's a dark horse to win, um, but I'm I'm really, really hoping. Um, then lastly, the Queen's Gambit won. It just keeps on winning. Best adapted long form. Um, congrats to Queen's Gambit. At another incredible show from last year from the many. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just congrats to it all the winners. It's one of the shows that we didn't even anticipate anything about it. You know, like oh, we, yeah. we just like it dropped on Netflix. They, they, I don't think they even sent like screeners and suddenly they didn't, the yeah. entire universe while like the lockdown and the pandemic was like at, at its peak, people were just like watching and talking about like this six, six episodes that like everybody binged like on the same day, you know, like it was epic. They did not send it to people for screening uh, because they knew how great it was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That tells you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's not like it has these incredible names attached to it. Like Anya Taylor-Joy, people know her face. Like some people know her name. But like she's not Chris Hemsworth, you know. Uh, She's not Kate Blanchett. So she's not Robert Downey Jr. Just the fact fact that they felt that this show was going to stand out on its own merit tells you that there is – there yeah. is something there. No, no, no. There's something is like objectivity in film because they oh. saw it mm-hmm. and they said, this is great. We don't need people to review it <laughs> beforehand yeah. because it's I great. Love that. Yeah. And love so that. it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, congrats to them. Congrats to all the winners, all the nominees. Um, now let's get into our reviews. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Next up on the report, 
reviews. Let's get into this. First up, we got Servant Season 2, which, Shama, I know you have not finished, but you have watched most of it, so you can talk on it a little bit. Uh, Building on the eerie drama from Season 1, and this season we find the Turners in search of Leanne and their son Jericho. Dorothy has had a taste for a real boy and is no longer pleased with the doll, so she goes to extremes to get him back. But what ramifications will their decisions have? So Season 1 hit on so many levels oh yeah i love season one yeah season two i think it still still has it it's still hitting i don't think it's i think a lot of people were expecting um something else from season two and so i think it caught a lot of people by surprise in in a not great way but like for me the show still hits it's really good it's the best thing we've seen from um Shyamalan in a very long time. Um, it is eerie. It is like has great dialogue, great writing, great performances. But like one of the biggest things is like it has some of the most incredible cinematography we have seen in TV shows. Like it, the, the cinematography is so well used. They know exactly what they're trying to do with it. And they move the cameras in a way that always adds to the scene and always adds to the feeling, the emotion. They, they reveal things in a way that feels fresh. Um, it doesn't feel gimmicky or overused, um, or a trope. It, it, the, the show is really, really strong. Um, I, no, you haven't finished it, Shama. The only thing I'll say is that where it ends, there was they, they set it up to where they could have set up season three to be drastically different. Because I know what season three is already greenlit. They could have set it up to be drastically different than season one and two, which I think would have been really great for it. But instead, they kind of neglected that and set it up to possibly be a lot of the same which like i i can't fault shaman too much because he has been like punished for the content he has been dropping because in the last several years the content he's been dropping has just not been up to par with early 2000s and late 90s Shyamalan. and so i feel like maybe because this has success he's worried to deviate too much or maybe even apple is just like hey don't mess up a good thing this is good um, but I, I feel like they could have set it up for next season to just be, you know, something it would have excited us for it to be a bit more different. What did you think? I think you've watched up to episode eight. Yeah. I didn't see the last two and episode eight, like really shut me down. Like, um, I was like disappointed in lots of things in episode eight, but maybe it was building up for the next one. It it's yeah, it's the worst episode of the season. I'll say that. I, of the two seasons so far. like Of, of the two seasons, correct. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I didn't get it. I didn't get the message of it. Like, it was unnecessary. They could have, like, cut what's in it and divided on the one before and the one after. Just, like, kind of information that can be revealed, like, slowly and easily. But um, um, I was excited, like, when I heard that, like, season three was greenlit, even before we started watching season two. And uh, it made me think of how are they going to end season two? And it made me like have like lots of assumptions. But since I didn't finish the season yet, so... And I know that you said like you are pleased with how they ended, but like you wished for more. You wished for something else. Yeah. So I hope what I have in mind will happen. But I will definitely watch it like tonight as soon as I can, like both the last uh, two episodes, nine and ten. But to, to, to be honest, like it's a great choice from Shyamalan to uh, to executive produce and produce this show and like being involved in everything in it and uh, uh, great from Apple like to to pick something like this especially like it, in it's like first first year yeah. and it's still holding up you know but the point is how they ended this will make me worry about I always said this when they started Servant that it's a show that we don't need more from it so, uh, like, two two seasons for me were enough. But then when I saw how season two was going, I said, like, okay, maybe three will go in that way. But uh, I hope three will still be on the same way, on the same level of thrilling and the same level of, of, of attraction so we can still get hooked up. But uh, if they will not continue on that level, uh, three seasons are enough for that story. Where it's going is a little bit concerning for me. 
but I think the season overall is strong. Like the first seven episodes, I think are as strong, if not a little bit stronger than season one. Oh yes, yes. The yeah. first like five or six were like, oh wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow, everything yeah. back to back like this. And the reveal in episode seven is amazing. It's amazing. And then episode eight drops. <laughs> it but then episode. Yeah, episode 9 and 10 kind of build up again. And then it sets up a next season that I'm just like, okay, I want to be excited because I really enjoyed these first two seasons, but I'm not over the hill. You know, I'm not like over the moon on on how excited I am. All right, next up on the reviews, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, I finally got the chance to watch Tom and Jerry. Like, I tried to start watching the movie since the day it was released. It took me like I think almost a month. Like the movie now is in its fourth week, so I finished it after a month of watching. And unfortunately, it's one of the it's one of the most disappointing things that I ever experienced this year. Tom and Jerry had its own uh, weight uh, in my heart, like in lots of people's lives. So you know, like it's one of the animation that we used to watch um, since like uh, before I was born. Like I think like. Everybody was watching it. And when I was a, a, a child, when I was a like, toddler, I was always playing. And I still get the enjoyment, the excitement, the happiness to see them. Um, knowing about like the live action, seeing the trailer, like we got a chance to watch like uh, the early sneak preview from the movie like t- almost two years ago. And I was excited about that. But mm. the live action, the live action failed everything that I needed from the film. It's still entertaining. still has its fun moments. It's, it's comedic. But for kids to enjoy and to interact, but like... Uh, as filmmaking, they had better chances to connect the story. The story is so dull and like so all over the place. So, for me, Tom, I haven't seen it yet. But for me, Tom, I know I think of the show. I, I feel like when I first saw the trailer, what before when I heard the film was being produced, I was like, "What can we expect from Tom and Jerry?" I mean, I've seen the show. What what can and we especially expect? that they still don't talk? You know, like they still like yeah. everything around them talks. Every yeah. animal around them talks. All the other cats talk. But no, yeah. not Tom. All the other mice but talk, but it's no Jerry. It's, um, the thing is, you know, after seeing Dora and the Lost City of Gold, I was like, oh, no, maybe they can make it good. That was it. No. Since you mentioned Dora, I know that, like, you don't like uh, Sonic, but, like, they started filming Sonic 2. So. Oh, stop. I, they, I have faith that it would be good. Like, watching this movie. Please do a Dora 2. I don't want a Sonic 2. I, I want I, a Dora 2. I want a Dora 2. I, I really want a I Dora want a Dora 2. That is an incredible and movie. And see Michael Pena here and Michael Pena there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, if people haven't seen Dora, go see Dora. My goodness. It is fantastic. Um, well, I haven't seen Tom and Jerry. Um, I. I don't know. You have it on HBO Max. Like, catch it before they leave. I, I, I might get leaving, it. leaving soon because you know, like they they cancel the movies like for uh, for a month and then they they bring them back after two months. So it's your last chance to watch it on HBO Max before it goes away. Yeah, maybe maybe I want it. Last movie we'll be discussing. Or I'll be discussing is Women Is Losers, one of the strongest films at South by Southwest. Um, the synopsis is, in 1960 San Francisco, a once promising Catholic schoolgirl, Selena Guerrera, sets out to rise above the oppression of poverty and invest in a future for herself that sets new precedents for the time. This film, we're going to hear more about this uh, moving forward. Uh, but this film, I'm hoping we hear about it again. I'm hoping that somebody picks it up. Um, it is excellent um it is directed written and produced by Lisette feliciano um and i mean the, the 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 thing about this film is like it embraces itself so much it embraces its um it it embraces its sense of like indie even though it like it genuinely looks really really good it is really strong um, throughout. Like the dialogue, you look at it's very clever um, in its writing and its execution. The cinematography is strong. Um, it is extremely entertaining, very poignant, very self-aware, and they like constantly acknowledge, right, in this funny way, um, their own. Like the way that many people will value the film because of its low budget nature. But in reality, 
you have to be particularly picky and particularly like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, observant to let, you know, it's to let some of the things that people are complaining about it, about its budget restrictions um, bother you. Because ultimately the film is so entertaining. The film is so clever. Um, it's a ton of fun and it has so much heart. Um, and, you know, uh, our main character, Selena, is um, Hispanic in the 1960s and really just growing up, you know, showing the struggles of everyday women, um, you know, then, now, and really always. Oh, wow. Um, what I'm so doing. excited. Like hearing this from you made me like, oh, I'm waiting for this film to see like uh, what happened, like, um, and uh, for something to, to like point to that from your criticism and from, from your way of analysis to that film. I'm so excited to watch it. Like, uh, I cannot wait. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and our actors are all phenomenal. Um, you know, you can tell that Lizette went into this with a vision. Um, very clever. But, like, the team behind her, um, our cast, uh, our lead is uh, Lorenza Izzo, which blew me away because when I looked her up, Shama, she is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this, oh, wow. She, wow. and this, she plays a Hispanic woman. In that movie, she played an Italian woman. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> she plays. She plays um, Leo DiCaprio's girlfriend that's in the house when they get attacked. Yeah. And now she's like yelling yeah. in Italian. Yeah. She is so good. I had to go rewatch that scene because I was like, no way. Francesca is her name in Once Upon a Time, and she's so good in that, and she's so good in this. Um, you know, she really shows her range in this film. Um, she's Chilean. Um, I found out this is where uh, Lorenz is from. Um, uh, but she, man, she kills it in this film. She's really, really great. Um, and it, really every actor, like her parents do a great job in this movie, you know, and it really shows, it has a, a lot of vulnerability. Uh, Chrissy Fitt is in this film as well. Um, and the film is just really strong, uh, very touching. And though it's a film where like, you know, it's called Women as Losers, and ultimately it's like about the female experience. Um, everybody has something to learn from this. You know how everybody has something to get from Promising Young Woman? This doesn't have that, like, you know, uh, gut punch. This one is much more comedic, much more light, um, but very, very touching. Um, but everybody's going to be able to get something from this film, and it's... Again, it's, it's really, really great. So everybody needs to keep an eye out for Women as Losers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping somebody picks it up, um, something happens with it, and we see more about it. Because it, it's it's a really, really, really uh, great, touching, emotional film um, that I think is for everybody, really. Oh, I'm so excited about this. I cannot wait. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And I'm glad that there's a representation at South by Southwest. And um, yeah. And that one and, of the movies that everybody's talking about is Women is Losers. So. Yeah. And it was the first film I saw. Um, I oh, wasn't what sure a what great to start. That's nice. I know. It was the first film I saw. And then I was like, wow, if the rest of the movies follow like this, it's going to be a good week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, it was, it was excellent. But, yeah, that's it for our reviews today. That's all we have for you today. If you would like to review us, please do so. We really appreciate it. It helps us climb the charts for people to find us. Also, make sure you check out the site to stay up to date with everything we're up to and to check out our written content. It's mreportpod.com. Raul, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at the Raul Nevado on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find me at Mohamed Chama on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us at mreportpod on Twitter and Instagram. Be part of the show. If you have a report, let us know. This is yours, Minorities Report. Peace. <laughs>